Tatooine was just a big ball of dust until R2 and 3PO showed up. But since then, my life hasn't been the same. From a moisture farmer on a remote desert planet to a leader of the rebellion fighting for freedom throughout the galaxy. But now the rebellion faces even greater odds, and I must be ready. I must follow Ben Kenobi's teachings, learn more about the powers of the Force and becoming a Jedi Knight, if I'm going to be prepared for a confrontation with Darth Vader. See it, when the Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back comes to a theater near you on May the 21st, 1980. Call next month for new message. Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Hey there, Frontlines listeners, and welcome to the 51st episode of Frontlines the Glowing Wars podcast. This is Mike coming to you solo once again. I am just here to quickly introduce what you're going to be listening to for the remainder of the episode. And that is the, uh, the interviews that we conducted while at Star Wars Celebration 5. I know it's taken me a little while to get these out, uh, almost a month in fact, but uh, we had some issues with the audio and uh, and with the videos so I was hoping to get this out as a video episode but uh, it was a little bit more difficult than I anticipated so uh, here is the audio from uh, from the interviews that we conducted you're going to be hearing uh, Ashley Eckstein uh, James Arnold Taylor Tom Kane Catherine Tabor uh, and Matt Wood so uh, sit back get comfortable and listen for some uh, some little tidbits, some stuff you may not have heard before, and uh, and maybe some hints at what's to come in the season three uh, premiere and uh, and for the rest of season three, which starts uh, as of me recording this later this week, this Friday. So uh, I'm excited for that. I know Matt's excited for that. The whole crew at the front lines, of the Clone Wars podcast website, we're all psyched for season three to get going, and uh, and if you. Uh, are also excited and want to join in on the discussion, you can head over to uh, our forums at forum.starwarsdaily.com and uh, get in on the discussion. We'd love to see you over there and, and have a conversation or two. And uh, and next week we will be back with uh, myself and Matt and we will do a full-length episode, uh, actually uh, probably closer to a double-length episode because we have two back-to-back episodes for the premiere 
So you will hear from us uh, next week, and we will talk about the premiere of Season 3 of Star Wars The Clone Wars on Cartoon Network, if you are not aware. That season premiere is this Friday, the 17th of September at 9 p.m. on uh, Cartoon Network. So uh, for those of you in Canada, there will be, uh, I believe, one half of the season premiere on Teletoon at 8.30 p.m. So, uh, so check your uh, local stations and see what's what. Don't forget to set your PVR, DVR, uh, TiVo, whatever you got to set in order to make sure that you get a hold of these episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And we will see you guys in one week. Enjoy the interviews from Star Wars Celebration 5. And thanks for tuning in to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Alright, so we're here uh, at Star Wars Celebration 5 with Ashley Eckstein. And uh, uh, we're going to talk to her about some Clone Wars stuff, some uh, Super Universe stuff. Uh, first off, I will talk about her universe because it's really big. Um, and it's sort of, it's one of the things that's really different at this celebration from what I've seen in other ones. It's like the female presence is so much bigger and, and you definitely have a huge part of it. Yes, well, I, I feel like I just, the, the female fans were always there and I started selfishly as a, a female fan myself. I wanted more merchandise for me. And um, once I saw that I wasn't alone, I mean, there's, you know, close to half are, are women. And uh, so I just kind of figured I was in the right place and I could talk to the right people and, um, and, and tell them that, look, the girls will buy. Just give us a chance. The girls will buy merchandise made for girls and for women. And um, so this is, this is our first celebration, and, and uh, it's been great so far. I mean, the biggest, the biggest stereotype that we have to fight is that um, people, or the biggest misconception, I should say, is that people feel that girls will not buy Star Wars merchandise. And uh, so every single shirt purchase, every single, you know, thing that the girls buy, we're going, you know, directly back and showing Lucasfilm. And Lucasfilm, by the way, believes in their female fans. Unlike some other franchises that still don't, um, Lucasfilm does. And they were just trying to find the most effective way to get to their female fans. So, um, so they want this to succeed. They want this to be a big success. So I go back to them and I say, look, look how many purchases we had. I mean, we had, you know, hopefully just as many purchases as one of the guys' booths, you know, that are, you know, over, over, you know, across the aisle. So um, it's, it's really a statement that we're making, is that girls will buy. And if we prove that girls will buy, We'll be able to do more. You know, this is just the beginning. Like, I hope to expand to do shoes, and you know, we're going to do cosmetics, and to do purses, and to do all of this stuff. Like, I know what the girls want, but we just have to start small to prove that girls will buy, and then we can just grow from there. Yeah, um, it's just, it's it's funny because, like you're saying, there is the misconception that the female fans aren't that interested in merchandise. They don't want to wear Star Wars shirts. Um, it's been over 30 years since A New Hope, and I mean, it's the 30-year anniversary of, of Empire this year. Um, why do you think it took so long for it to sort of, for, for, some, for somebody to come along and do something? You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, 
I think there was a lot more female merchandise back when the original trilogy first came out. Um, I don't know why it completely died off the way it did. Um, clearly, I think that it's just because Star Wars, in, in terms of the mass media, is a boys franchise. And so, it's, when it, whenever everybody talks about it, you know, the toys are in the boys section. They're far away from the girls section. It's in, you know, like, it's very masculine. Um, it's, it's always separated from the girls. And I think the fact that they've kept it separated has allowed that mentality. And um, so just over over the years of allowing that mentality, that's just, you know, that's where the stereotype has come from. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, I can't say if we went to mass retail what our sales would be. I'm very happy to start the way we're starting, kind of like a grassroots movement and tell the girls, let's let's prove something. And then, you know, we're power in numbers. And, and hopefully we can have a girl Star Wars section in Target. But, you know, we have a long way to go before we get there. But got to start somewhere, you know. And, and hopefully we can fight that stereotype. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, our listeners, we've actually got, I get, I get emails from them on a regular basis, like these young girls. Uh, we've got like a girl that's like eight years old that listens. We've got like a thirteen-year-old girl. And for me, like podcasting, when I got those emails and, and you know like their parents are typing for them and saying, "Oh, my daughter really loves loves Clone Wars and thanks for the podcast," I'm like, I didn't even know that, that there were these people out there watching it. And I think that you have a lot to do with that with, with the character of Ahsoka. Yeah. It's really brought that 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 group of young girls into the show. Ahsoka has definitely brought new girls into the show, and that's something I'm really excited about, because way before the merchandise, I just hoped, because Ahsoka was such a powerful character for girls, and such a positive character for girls, that I just hoped that she would have that impact on girls, because when I was a little girl, I would have, um, I would have enjoyed Ahsoka over a princess, let's say. I, I took my preschool picture in my karate kid uniform <laughs> and my mother was not pleased with that but I was kicking and screaming and I would not take it off um, so I definitely would have uh, gone towards Ahsoka rather than let's say you know a princess and um, so I was hoping that Ahsoka would have that reaction on little girls and I think it has I've had more and more little girls come through my line you know to, to you know to say hello and um, it's really cool it's really cool that after two seasons it's growing that way and, and hopefully she can show little girls that you can be tough and kick butt too yeah awesome um, in season three what we've seen so far in the trailers it's a lot darker specifically when it comes to Ahsoka and the visions and all that sort of thing is there anything at all that you can tell us um you know I, I can't talk about the visions per se, but I can say that she does get a bit darker. Um, not, I, I say she's far from the dark side, yeah. but she does get darker. She becomes more and more like Anakin. She grows up and matures a lot in season three, um, in several ways. Um, but uh, she, she just—it's a big season for her and her story arc, in just the sense of of how much she matures. I mean, Dave makes me keep my voice in my lower register because you know 
she's older now, she's more mature, and um, I think the fans will be happy with the direction she's going in. Yeah, um, has it changed the way that you approach the character, like, like other than just the voice, like you were saying, like, like the, the mindset? A little bit, because she is, I would say, because she's becoming, her and Anakin are becoming more alike. I would say she's less snippy as she was before, um, whereas they're becoming more like pals. Um, so I would say I'm not as sarcastic, not as snippy. I mean, trust me, she's still that way. That's just who she is. But um, you know, she 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 could be obnoxious a lot in season one with with how snippy she was. And um, I would say there's less of that. She's more serious, and she's more just a part of the gang versus a sidekick. She's kind of found her place. Yeah. Where she where she belongs. Yeah. In the hierarchy. Yeah. I would say now she's just one of the gang. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, is there anything that uh, that you'd like to say to our listeners out there? Oh, well, like- I, yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for tuning in because the only reason we are still here and going strong is because of you, the viewers, um, and the ratings. Uh, they've been fantastic. Our season two season finale was amazing. And so uh, I can tell you we're going to continue to keep making the Clone Wars as long as you keep tuning in. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I think you're going to like season three. Um, it's, it's, we've done most of the work, and it's, it's awesome. So may the Force be with you. Alright, so we're here at Star Wars Celebration 5, and uh, we've got James Arnold Taylor, Obi-Wan himself. It's an honor, an honor to be here. And, and Plo Koon. Master Plo Koon is honored to be here as well. And uh, who else have you done it, honestly? Well, let's see, well, in the movie, uh, the Clone Wars film, I was uh, A47, uh, 4A7, the, uh, the traitor droid. No, Chetty, I'm sorry. You know, he was kind of, he was a little slimy. And then I was also the medical droid in that, which got kind of a big lap. And, and little secret, I was uh, I was doing a Jeff Goldblum impression. Oh, yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, throughout the show, I get to be a lot of different characters. Um, and in, uh, well, for example, like Lightsaber Lost in season two, I was three different characters in that, and none of which were Obi-Wan or Chloe. Uh, and so I don't always tell people because I like to see if they can guess who it was. But uh, and in the new season, there are definitely some characters that I'm playing. Most of them I can't talk about, but <laughs> the cool part will be see if you can guess. Yeah. Is it James? You know. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, let's see. I got a couple of questions prepared for you. Sure. Uh, okay. So uh, Obi Wan, Ratchet, Leonardo, and Fred Flintstone. <laughs> like you do so many different voices. <laughs> do you have a favorite out of all the ones you do? You know, uh, it is. It's like choosing children. You can't uh, a favorite child. You can't do it. Whenever, and I truly mean this. I'm so blessed to do the work that I do. Uh, whenever I'm doing a particular character, even if I'm switching back and forth, I just feel like I just I'm in love with that character at the time. I love yeah. doing. Whoever it is that I'm actually doing. So if it's Frank Flintstone, I'm happy to do it. You know, if, it's, if I'm doing Ratchet, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to do that. And hey, Clank, this is totally cool. You know, but if I'm doing Obi Wan Kenobi, talking with Master Goku, it's uh, it, it's a toss up. It's 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 hard to say. Um, what what do you find? Uh, I don't know, 
more difficult, more challenging, preferable to do to do voices of established characters or the sound likes or to do originals? That's a great question. Um, it's definitely more stress, more pressure to do uh, uh, an established voice or one that is uh, of an actor. You know, so much of my work is doubling people. You know, a lot of times if I do my job right, you don't know that I was ever there. You know, you just think it was Johnny Depp the whole time, or David Spade, or you know, Michael B. Fox, or whomever. So uh, that is definitely more stressful, uh, and everybody has an opinion. You know, well, that didn't really sound like it. You know, and the, the best is I was doing the Willy Wonka uh, video game, and they had given me about 16 seconds of dialogue to work off of. And Johnny Depp is such a chameleon, and he's just amazing as an actor. And as a voice double, you have to get not just the voice down, you also have to then get their acting beats down. So with 16 seconds of dialogue, I had to kind of decipher this for uh, two video games that were like six-hour sessions recording. And so um, the, the test was they gave all of the audio to Johnny Depp, and while he was doing Pirates 2, he uh, was listening to it, and he wanted my home phone number and my cell number, and he said he would call if he had a problem with it. And um, I was, uh, much, much to my wife's chagrin, he never called. So uh, that means he was happy with what I did. So even though it can be stressful, it's very gratifying when yeah. you know that you do it the right way. Well, I don't know if you if you heard when the movie was coming out, but all over the boards and everything and in the discussions, everybody thought that Ewan McGregor was yeah. rising just for the movie. Yeah. And, uh, and and we didn't know until, like, like honestly myself, until the end of the movie and the credits rolled. Oh, I God was, bless you. That's very nice I was like, I was like, I could go either way. You did such a great job with <laughs> the movie. Well, thanks. You know, it is, it's one of those things where even by the time we did that as well, you know, Dave and, uh, and George Lucas both were so kind to give me the freedom to say, okay, this is your character now. We want you to take him and do with him as you, you know, would, you know, acting-wise and all that. But I had been matching you for so long before that like, on other things, on the games and stuff, uh, and the micro-series. Uh, so I was really, you know, just very comfortable just knowing that, you know, my regular voice with an accent would sound like, like his. So uh, I kind of took it from that perspective, but then I started, you know, going, okay, well, we're, we're telling a different story, and Dave was very specific, too. He wanted Obi-Wan originally to be more, you know, this kind of low-key, and, you know, I know a lot of fans at first were like, oh, he's kind of stiff. It's like, well, that was very purposeful, and now if you watch all of it, you kind of understand why. You know, I mean, Anakin was still... Anakin. <laughs> a little rowdy. Oh, Anakin. Uh, and so he had to be that kind of, you know, puffed up. I'm trying to be this, you know, even if I don't believe I totally am this character, I'm going to betray it. Because Master Yoda would have it that way. So, uh, and now he's more relaxed and we get to kind of go into those places that you and did, you know, so, so great in those moments where, you know, he has two levels. You know, he's got the, you know, Palpatine's a politician. You know, you must be mindful. You know, uh, you look tired because, you know, you know be mindful of your thoughts on it. You've got that kind of low-key, uh, and then you've got, you know, come to your senses. What would Padme do if she was in your position? You know, and, uh, and you were the chosen one. Uh, so he's got those two levels, and so Dave will be like, okay, give us some of that, James. Give us some of the growl, the gravel. Uh, and, and then, okay, pull it back. And so we have kind of a code that we talk about, you know, so it's big fun. Um, Obi-Wan, 
has he's only had a couple of really like standout moments. He's sort of been almost like a background player. Like he's a, he's a main character, obviously, but but he's really been in the background, sort of supporting the other storylines. Do, do we have anything coming up that's going to be like? I, I say it on the show all the time. The listeners know. Is, are there any like Obi Wan solo episodes More coming Obi-Wan, up? Right. <laughs> I, I would watch a series that was all Obi Wan. I know. I would too. I would really. I would love that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I do think it's safe to say we're definitely going to do it like we did. You know, thankfully we had the Mandalorian arc, you know, uh, where we got to see more of Obi-Wan's life and kind of his personal life. And, you know, the coolest thing for me in that was there was that moment, very brief moment, where we got to kind of see in his his chambers and his personal room and stuff. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. I saw that in the script and I was like, this is the stuff. This is what people want, you know. Uh, But uh, there's so many characters in in this storyline of Clone Wars that uh, I think sometimes it's like, oh yeah, well we know Obi-Wan's story. We know he survives, we know where he goes, we know what happens with him. So we want to concentrate on these, and I get it. But at the same time, I, I do uh, hope that we see more Obi-Wan. You know, I know we've, we've completed uh, season three, and I know that there is more, uh, and I'm very pleased to say that. There's also more Loki. But, um, but yeah, I hope in the next seasons to come, we do get a moment or two that are more you know, concentrated. Uh, my favorite episode is Trespass, which, oh, which yeah, yeah. you are very heavily featured in. Um, and I, I think it's probably one of the best portrayals of Obi-Wan so far, um, just because he's got the, the diplomatic side, right? It's more like the yeah. Jedi consular sort of thing rather than the adventure and excitement. We had fun uh, doing that, too. It, what's your favorite episode? Uh, it is really tough um, because, for one, there's so many that we cover yeah. in a season. But I really loved uh, Deserter, you know. And then Lightsaber Lost came out. Oh, gosh, that is so good. And I, and I didn't play uh, Obi Wan or Clover in that. I was several other characters we mentioned, but but uh, that that storyline was so great. And there were so many there were so many great Hitchcock moments and, uh, in in that as well as um, uh, Senate Spy. And, uh, there's been the final episode of the season of season two was awesome, but it's almost not fair to say that that's a favorite. So. Uh, the Mandalorian arc is my all-time... Uh, there's three of them, I kind of count them as one. Yeah. Yeah. That was my all-time favorite from yeah. what we've done so far. And working with Anna Graves, who is the Duchess of Teen, a wonderful actress, and it was just so great to be able to take those moments and explore Obi-Wan in a way that even you and Sir Alec didn't get to do. So that makes it my favorite because it was such an honor. Awesome. Awesome. Well, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Oh, well, uh, I would just have to say thank you. Thank you for your support of the show and your love of Star Wars, but your love of Clone Wars and your love of, of what we're doing. Uh, that is truly, uh, you know, for all of you that are not here at Celebration and we don't get to shake your hand and say thank you, uh, that, that just means so much to us. And share it with anybody you can because I think it's the best show on TV, you know, and I wouldn't say it. I would say it even if I wasn't on it. I'm not just saying it because I'm on the show. So uh, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I, I know the force is very, very strong with each and every one of you, so be mindful of it. And stay away from the dark side, please. I know Anakin can be cool, but Obi-Wan, more Obi-Wan. <laughs> So here we are again at 
at Star Wars Celebration 5, and we've got uh, the incomparable Tom Kane here with us, the voice of Yoda, Admiral Yularen, the narrator. Yes. Is this simply named the narrator? You guys have any... No, we just call him the narrator. narrator. It's, it's funny because, you know, they, they have photographs of my characters that we sign for things, and uh, we're always joking about we're going to print up just a blank piece of paper for the narrator. So. Or just the, just the logo. Yeah, because right? no, that's when you always hear his voice. It's just you get the Star Wars, the Clone Wars logo, and then his voice comes so out. Someone else suggested they said, we need to take a picture of you on microphone, but from behind. So it's just the back of your head and a microphone. Um, awesome. Well, those are your characters on the Clone Wars that are most notable. But is there anybody else that you've done that, that maybe was a little bit... Oh, well, I mean, yeah, I've, I've got favorites, you know. Yoda's obviously nearest and dearest to my heart. But, uh, I think next to that, my, probably my favorite character is Professor Utonium and the Powerpuff Girls. Because okay. You know, he's, uh, you know, that, that Mojo Jojo was the worst rap assistant I ever had. I, you know, I like him because basically he's me. Yeah. If I was a scientist, there's even a physical resemblance. There is actually. Yeah, he's, a, they, he's a fairly tall they, guy with the. They, one time, just for fun, I put on a white doctor's jacket and held a pipe up, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> Professor Eugenia." Awesome. Awesome. I, so uh, over the years, that, that's that's probably one of your favorites. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Yeah. And Darwin on the Wild Wild was uh, that was that was a, that was a wonderful show. It was just yeah. a, you know, to be working with Tim Curry and Lacey Chabert and Flea. Most people don't even know it, but the, Don, the voice of Donnie yeah. on, on the Wild 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 was Flea and it was just great. It was just a great cast. So, uh, what, what's the most difficult voice that you've had to do? Is it, is it a Clone Wars voice, or has it been somebody else? Well, none of the ones that I've done have been, you know, actually you know, hard to do, because I, if they were, they wouldn't have hired me. But the, uh, uh, Mr. Harriman on Foster's Home, um, they wanted sort of a, you know, stuffy British colonel, you know, in a way he's got some similarities to Admiral Gular and both of them. But what they really liked was I, I had to sort of bluster, the sort of you know, sort of jowly, you know, you know. And um, partly because of you, Lauren, when I started doing you, Lauren, on, on the Clone Wars, I would drift. I would start to drift from Mr. Harriman into you, Lauren. And so when I was doing Foster's, every once in a while, I'd get so many lines into the director, and it was Colette Sunderman. She'd go, no, 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 you lost. He's gone. He's gone. It's not, that's not Harriman anymore. I'm like, what's good? You lost the I'm like, you know, so we'd back up a few lines, and I'd put back paper. So that one was weird, because that, I usually don't drift, but in that one, I drifted. Um, I... Of all, of all the episodes that you've done, all the stuff that you've done uh, in the stores, which one's your favorite? Oh, Ambush. Ambush? Yeah, obviously. I mean, that's, that's, uh, it was the, it was the episode, uh, it's not just my feeling, I get this feedback from the fans all day long, every day when I'm doing these things. It's, it's the single most, as they put it, Star Wars-y episode yeah. that the Clone Wars has done. It's the one that made, that felt the most, uh, akin to, you know, one of the movies, and, yeah. uh, and it is funny because I get, 53 times a day, I get people going, are they going to do another Yoda episode that's talking And I, I don't know, I mean, I, Dave, you know, we've talked about that, and he said, you know, he'd like to see that too, but you know, it's not, it's, 
Yeah, you have to sort of tread a fine line with, with a show like The Clone Wars because it's it's not Yoda's story. It's it's the clones. You know, it's 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 uh, and it's Anakin. And it's, you know, Yoda is as important a character as he is in this show in this time period. He's a somewhat peripheral character. He's not the focus of the, of the show. So, but it definitely is a fan favorite. It's my favorite as well. Uh, in Ambush, we definitely got more of an Empire Strikes Back Yoda. So, like, not not just in the lines of dialogue, but, but in, in the character himself, the way that he acted, he had that more mischievous nature. Yeah. That, that seemed to be absent from the prequels. Yeah. Is that is that like which is more fun to do? Like, this, oh, definitely that one. Is yeah, no, absolutely, and that's and that's that's what George wanted as well. I mean, we, we actually went back and re-recorded some of, those, some of the first few episodes of Clone Wars because we didn't have enough of that feeling. And, uh, George said, "Two months ago, I wanted to be somewhere in the Yoda." So, so uh, once I knew that that's what he wanted, and I tried to every time I do some Yoda, I always inject a little more of that Empire feeling. And it's my favorite version of Yoda too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the uh, a little more mischievous it is. Yeah, he laughs. You know, yeah. he laughs at that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Admiral Yularen, he's, he's a, a character that is actually from the original trilogy, but uh, never said anything. But he never said anything. So when you when you got the role of Yularen, was there a lot of uh, we were room for you to come up with the voice, or did well, Dave and George have a lot No, there, there definitely was. I mean, they, they uh, when they heard, they heard me doing the line, they, you know, George, George uh, you know, obviously reviews things after the fact, but Dave was there when we were doing the auditions, and I already was Yoda. And they were just bringing me in to see what other characters I could do, and I, I auditioned for a bunch of different ones. The, uh, you know, Dave says what he wants. He's like, I want you to learn to be a little bit of this, and kind of light around, and he's like, yeah, that sounds good. So, um, yeah, it is, you know, you're, it is kind of uh, sort of the other side of the coin from Yoda, whereas with Yoda, you absolutely do not want to try to come up with a new version, or your take on Yoda. There is no, there is no my take on Yoda. Um, but with a new character voice like you are in, it's... It is. That's much more typical in the, in the animation world. We've got to come up with something that's never been done before. So uh, we did have a lot of wiggle room and a little leeway there. So it's it, it's a like I said, it's completely opposite of what you do with Yoda. So with you are in whenever I do an episode with you are, and I can just kind of do whatever I feel like, and Dave will either say, "Yeah, that's what I want," or "No, that's what I want." The opportunity to explore the character as he goes along. Yeah, we've definitely had some some cool storylines with you are over the last two seasons. Like in particular, when when he gets hurt in can't remember the episode. And you got, kind of got to play a different side of him, where he was a little bit more angry, and he sort of It is uh, one of the gifts of, of this series that we can take a character as obscure as Yularen, who is just seen in, in the control room, and suddenly he's fleshed out into a, a very three-dimensional human being and uh, you know that's that's one of the joys of what we're doing with this series is characters that you just saw in passing and in, in many cases said nothing or, or said one word but were there and visually striking and made an impression suddenly we get to turn them into living breathing you know, 
person who is so easily or whatever, but with backstories and, and you know, uh, all the, the quirks and foibles of, of a creature that you know has a has a real life. It's a cool thing. Um, being a character that that is in the Clone Wars on the side of the Republic and it's a good guy, but that we know later on he'll be with the Empire and, and even on the Death Star and possibly was there when they blew up Alderaan. But as as from your take, being sort of the person who owns that character right now. What, do you have any opinions on oh, like, yeah, why sure. he sticks around? Well, no, I, I mean, I, I always, the analogy I always use with Iwan in my head, I don't get this from anyone else, but Dave and I talk about that, and he seems to agree with me, is um, I think of him as uh, like Rommel in World War II. General Rommel was, um, you know, he wore the uniform of a Nazi officer. But he wasn't one of them. He was, he was doing his duty to his country. And he was an officer long before, you know, those creeps took power. So, you know, from his point of view, he was, he was doing his military duty for his country. And he was one of those characters that was absolutely respected by his opponents. I mean, Montgomery on the British side, and Patton on the American side, they, you know, they would have been absolutely friends with this guy if he wasn't wearing that uniform. They had the utmost respect for him. And, uh, I always imagined that you know it, it was a very similar arc. You know that Lauren was a good guy and he was fighting the right side. And as things happened, he suddenly realized, you know, I'm, I'm not on the right side. Now. And I, I would like to fantasize that you know maybe the reason he was still there on the Death Star, like, and this, this is true in, in World War II as well. There were a lot of officers that that appeared on the surface to be doing their part to, to help the. You know, the, the bad guys, but behind the scenes, they're doing their part to see them fail. Uh, to do their best to bring them down. So, hopefully, he was, doing, he was tinkering. Maybe pushing push push the bicep. Pushing the bicep. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe he was the one who fed the information to the Yeah, exactly. If you don't know, they got it somewhere. I like to think, I really like him, he's, he's He hasn't had too many moments, but the ones that he has had in the so far. I really, I really like the character. There is obviously, something, something went very wrong for the Empire, and uh, someone had to set that wheel in motion. Maybe it was Laura. Awesome. Uh, well, is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners? Um, yes. Keep watching you. Many children I have to feed. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you for watching the show. Because without you guys, none of this would happen. Here we are at Star Wars Celebration 5 yet again with a surprise interview for us with Catherine Tabor. It's pretty exciting. Um, so as, as the listeners probably know, she is the voice of Padme Amidal on The Clone Wars. Uh, and uh, are, are there any other characters that you've done? Uh, in season one, I did Numa, the little Twi'lek and Innocence of Ryloth, which is one of my favorite characters. Um, I did the Angel of Diego in season one. I've been several Betty droids. Um, and I have some cool stuff coming up in season three that I, of course, can't tell you about. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Padme as a character, I, she, she's one of the ones that has a lot of screen time in the movies. Um, and and to then do the voice 
for the Clone Wars series, was there a lot of pressure to, to live up to, to the already established? You know, I, I wanted to stay true to the character, but more the character that was just created by George Lucas. Um, I always say that it's, you know, as an actor, it's, it's like if you were doing a Shakespeare piece, somebody else is going to play Ophelia before you. So you can't step in and try to be what the last actor did. You just have to do the character justice. And that's what we try to do um, on our show. And Dave is just really great about saying, you know, it's your head. So we're, you know, encountering situations that we didn't see in the movie. So we have to make it our own and make it new. And that's what we try to do without going completely out of the box and, you know, making a totally different strategy. <laughs> Um, now, I, we know in the story that towards episode three that Padme and Anakin don't have a lot of interaction. Uh, have you had any hints that, like, as, it, as we get closer to the end of, of the series, like to season five, that Padme might not be in it as much? Or, or will she be in it, but in different capacities? I think that actually we'll probably see more. Um, you know, just the setup of the show and the fact that it's the Clone Wars. It wouldn't be too exciting if every episode was a political episode. Although I would enjoy that. But, you know, for the cool thing about the series is that each of the episodes, you know, and the different arcs come from a different perspective. So you might have an arc where it's a lot of big, escaping, action-packed battles. And then maybe the next one will be a little smaller um, and a little more intimate. And then, you know, maybe the political one where it's more of the intrigue. So we, we do that a lot. And I think that that keeps it, you know, hopefully fresh and interesting um, for for the viewers. And I would always love Padme to be in more episodes, but again, you know, I think that she she fits right in there nicely. But we do need to see more development of her and Anakin. And you know, we talked about that. Dave and I have talked about what's what's coming up in the future of the series, and that's a really exciting part for me. <laughs> in in the panel yesterday, uh, Dave mentioned a little bit about the formation of the rebellion and how that was something that George didn't get to explore in the films. It was cut from episode three. And uh, and they, with the Clone Wars, they have the opportunity to then go in and flesh out those those bits of story that got cut out. Is Can we expect anything in season three of that, that storyline starting? Well, you start to see you know, hints of everything going on as far as at what point you'll actually see that. I, of course, again, can't say. <laughs> but I, I think you start to see things heading in the direction as they need to on all fronts, with personal relationships, with political relationships. And, um, you know, it's really, it's, it's, our whole show is overseen by, by George and by Dave. And, of course, it couldn't be in better hands as far as keeping it true and, and telling the story as it needs to be told, because it is George's story, really. Um, now, you've done some other voices in the Star Wars yeah. mythology of stuff. Uh, you've done video games as well. My very first uh, voiceover job was Mission Bayo in Knights of the Old Republic. Okay. And, um, I, you know, I, I, it was my second voiceover audition. I didn't even really know what voiceover was. I had just been a regular on-camera actor. Um, and I kind of view it all the same, which I think has been really a good thing for me. I just go in and do my job as an actress. But yeah, I was already a Star Wars fan, so that was a really cool, cool thing to have happen. And that game was so well received. I still get people at, at these conventions, especially, who are just like, "I love Mission Vale." Um, and then to be able to get to, to play Padme in the show, and in video games, I play her as well. And then I also play Leia in Force Unleashed. So it's been kind of a cool 
you know, Star Wars-filled career so far, which is great by me. <laughs> so we've got The Force Unleashed 2 coming out soon. We were talking to Tom about it, and he's showing up as Yoda for the first time in the Force Unleashed series. Is Leia going to be making a return appearance? Do we know anything Perhaps. about that? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> that is all I can say. Oh, and I'm also working though on the old Republic, which I can't say anything else about either, except that I'm working on it and it's going to be if you're a gamer, it's going to be so awesome. Yeah, yeah, we talk about video games a lot on the podcast. I mean, have you seen the trailers? Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. Cool. Um, so when when it comes to the Clone Wars, taking it back there, I, my favorite episode is Trespass. What's your favorite episode? Um, I really like Innocence of Ryloth a lot. Uh, I loved Hostage Crisis. Um, I loved Senate Spy. Senate Spy was a really fun one to record for me. Um, I know the actor who played Clovis, Robin Atkin Downs, and that whole, the emotion of those scenes where I'm tending like I have affection for Clovis and I know Anakin is watching. I can't tell you that when we recorded it, it felt so real, that it was, it was really cool, like, we get to, you know, our show definitely goes over the boundaries of what I think normal animated shows and the acting that you get to do on those yeah. is about, so, you know, that's, that's definitely one of my favorites, too. Awesome. Well, uh, is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners? Just thank you so much for, um, watching our show and keeping us employed and, <laughs> and we hope that we're making you guys happy and definitely we'd love to hear feedback you know we can't always make things happen but we always try to let Dave know what we hear from the fans and um, we just want to keep making great Star Wars and doing it justice for the fans awesome thank you very much thank you. Mike again we're at C5 we've got Matt Wood here and you know so uh, I want to ask you, is there anything exciting that we can expect from Grievous this year in Season 3? Season 3 Grievous. Well, you know, I'm still an employee of the company, so I can't really divulge much information, but I, all I can say is, um, you know, Grievous is in Season 3. Um, we're, I'm working on the soundtrack of it, so uh, myself and David A. Ford, and we're just cranking on it. You know, we're more than a quarter of the way through the season, and uh, there's great stories coming in, and Dave Filoni is, you know, impressing us every season stuff so you know everything's looking better visually and we're trying to you know pump up the sound as much as we can we get some unique opportunities which is good to have the moments to really showcase some sound stuff so yeah it's uh we're in full swing cool any any new uh any new sound effects or like anything that like stands out that, that maybe is like a tribute to something from the classic trilogy like any like those references yeah you know we always try to um basically reference stuff from the original Star Wars. I worked on all the prequels, and then obviously we have everything that was made by Ben Burt, who's sitting right over <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, who's my mentor. Um, <laughs> it's fun to be actually able to sit next to him at an autograph show, which is totally weird, because we work back at Scott with the ranch together. But um, David A. Court, our, our sound designer on Clone Wars, is definitely pays respect to that, and we try to make sure we have a nice balance between the old and the new. And there's even a book out. I don't know. I think they're going to have some copies of it here at this show, but um, I think it comes out in September. It's called The Sounds of Star Wars. It's a history of a lot of the sounds and what we made for the show. And there is a Clone Wars section. And, you can, and there it comes with a little button-pushing thing, and you can listen to the sounds right there and with your headphones on the book. So check that out. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to the listeners. Welcome. Uh, I love your T-shirt. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I'll see you.
Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. Of course, it's strong with you all, and it will be with you always. Empire Strikes Back comes to a theater near you on May the 21st, 1980. Call next month for new message.